Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free and inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business-to-business meeting system. Also, make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description, or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. Uh, today we're going to talk about unit sales estimations and understanding if your budget is actually viable. So it will be less of a presentation, but I'm going to walk you through a few tools I prepared on Google Sheet and will also be sharing afterwards. So you can put in your own numbers and check for yourself. Um, first things first, quick intro about myself. My name is Kimberly Rodatos. I have been more than 10 years in the industry now, which has been a long time. I founded Digital Owl in 2017. It started out as a consultant company for live operations game and game design for online services and platforms. And then 2018, I had the chance to work on the Epic Game Store, launch it and set up their production pipeline for the publishing and development teams. And it actually encouraged me to create my own game studios. And so since last year, April 2022, we are working on our first project called Brave Snow. Uh, but enough about me. So what we're going to do today is, this is a quick screenshot of the tool I showed you. I'm going to run you through the different points you need to understand for your budget, which is important for calculating if your budget is going to be a success, how much risk there is, and then also see what actually does make sense to ask from external partners or with the genre I picked and the scope I picked, should I even make this game? And then hopefully at the end, we can create a few financial modeling examples you can then use for your pitch decks or your presentations. Okay, so just the basics very quickly. Every time I talk to people about their pitch decks, we have every Thursday, by the way, we do pitch deck reviews on the IGB Discord. So feel free to join it either 2 p.m. or 7 p.m. ET. But when we get started, I always tell them prepare six documents. So first of all, your game design document, because you want to know what you built. Uh, then it would be ideal to have your Bible and technical documentation ready, because they give you the guideline of the scope and they tell you where you have your limitations, where you have requirements and where to focus really quality work on. And then I tell people to prepare a business plan. It doesn't have to be a fully fledged out business plan with hundreds of slides, everything worked out from, this is where I wanna go, the goals forecast for the next 10 years, but just maybe one page or even one sentence for yourself that explains this is where I wanna go with this project. Maybe, it's your first game you want to release out there and you just want to try out the progress uh, process and see how, how it all works. Or you are planning to, to create an indie game studio. So this is your first game and you 
want in the future to be able to finance other projects. So that already has a very different budget implication than just building a, build, a game for yourself. Then the next document is your market research. I know it's not a very like term or thing to do in the indie game industry, but be inspired by other games, learn from them, not only from the mistakes, but also what they do well. Use them to set your quality bar, use them to set um, your quality guidelines where you want to go, and that helps you to refine your production plan and your scope in the end. So in your production plan, you should know how many team members you have, what your backlog is and how the timeline will look like. I have an example prepared I will show in a bit as well. But before we get that, just we're all on the same page, what unit sales mean in this presentation is a measure of the total amount of revenue a product generates divided by the total number of units of that product set to a certain price point. Um, normally unit sales are used for financial forecasting and other things, but we won't go that much into detail. We really just wanna create a checkpoint for us and analyze the risk if we're going to the right direction. So we can steer away from anything that's right on time. Uh, let's see what's next. So estimating project costs. Um, every time you pitch, every time you talk to external partners, one thing they will ask you is how much does it cost to develop your game? And it is actually a huge undertaking to find out how much it costs. So I will go a little bit into detail about it, but I don't think we can cover it all. Otherwise we would sit here probably for three hours. The three main things to keep in mind for estimating your project costs are your scope. So what do you wanna build and how do you wanna build it? Your resources, how much money do I have available? And how does my team look like? And then the time, how much time do I have to build maybe the prototype or how much time do I have to get this release ready? Uh, so this is a screenshot from one of the documents I want to share. I created this template, which is uh, kind of a backlog template. So when you get started, you know, new to game development, you can just use it, fill out all the things you want to do and everything from down the line, it will automatically calculate your needs and stuff like that. Uh, but we'll share that out after, after the talk. Um, we are at timelines. So here are different examples. Ideally, you want to have something like this in the end where you can see, okay, this is how many months I need to get to my different milestones. Um, I always like to work with milestones, milestones even on smaller projects. And maybe if I just work on my own or with a partner, it just keeps you accountable and yourself in check. And you kind of can avoid this age long period where nothing happens and you feel like nothing is getting accomplished just because you don't see things being checked off on a, on a larger scale. So it's just nice to work with milestone. milestones. Uh, another thing you will have in, or you should have in your timeline is how many months you need each discipline of your game. So this is just an example how you can break it down 2D, 3D animation, programming and so on. But once you have this set, it's super for easy for you to, okay, let's say for the programmer, I pay uh, three artists, sorry, I pay 1,200 
dollars and then you just populate the months and then it's easy for you to in the end to calculate your project costs again this is very very high level and just gets you started but even the high level will help you a lot okay uh so this is the basic setups once we have our project costs this is the tool i was talking about you can input them here but uh let's go quickly over all the details on here so we all know what we're talking about on the left side this is where you input all the numbers from costs to funds to how much you already spend to what your goals are what you need to gain out of it and so on and then on the right side you have all the pieces that are actually coming from your market research plan um, from your business plan so extra numbers to feed into it to generate the risk but we'll get into details in that in a second so i like to create thresholds when i work with these numbers so what would be the lowest i can go what would be a good case scenario for me and what would be an ideal case scenario for me and then uh i can go from there play around with it and then just find the right setup for me but uh, you could also say you use low, mid, high and change that to maybe I got the specific funding or maybe I go into the pitch decks or financial models without specific funding. Um, so just feel free to, to adapt it to your own needs. Uh, let's say we have a project course. We'll make a small 2D game. We want to have it done in a year maybe you work on it with two people and let's say ideally we all can survive with fifty thousand dollars oops that's more than fifty thousand dollars it's just to build up our scenarios and then ideally though we want to have seventy five thousand so we actually can eat don't have to worry about the rent uh, and then if everything goes goes well and we find investors people that are interested into the game we even want to build up the scope to 100,000 but um that's just just to to get the project cost total there uh what's next current funds and costs a lot of times when people start pitching their games or looking at the cost they actually forget to add what they already invested into it Maybe you have been working on the game idea and prototyping for a whole year, but you only got serious about it uh, a month ago, and now you're trying to, to pitch it to people. Just for your own sake, and in the future, to not run into any scope creeps or issues because you do not calculate the prototyping phase, make sure you think about it. And if you did spend some money or time on it, calculate it in here. It, it will just help you for your next projects and setup. So at what you spend so far, could be maybe you paid for a Trello subscription or pay for a subscription or whatever you use, um, the funds you're willing to invest into this game. So just because you start pitching does not mean you will get the funds immediately after the pitch. Normally the process takes a few months. So what are you willing to invest into those few months until you wait for proper funding. Maybe you decide to only work half times and keep the other job, or maybe you say, okay, I'll go full in and spend full time to it. 
this will all flow in later into the recoupment, how much you want to make back. Uh, and then there are also other funds. So maybe you have an angel investor, maybe one of your friends and family is willing to just get you kicked off, or maybe you apply for an Epic Mega Grants or one of the European game funds and stuff like that. Um, write it all in here. It all goes into your, your available funds and costs because whatever you have in these columns, column C, D and E, will be subtracted from your total project costs. And what's left over is then what you can ask for from a partner. So let's go in here again. This is a bit crazy for, I don't need a partner if I can do this myself, but uh, spent so far, let's say I um, set up in my own company and worked with a lawyer to get legal things in order because I want to get a second board person on board. So. 2500 my old funds i'm still willing to or i'm able to invest into this until i get funding is 5000 and oops, have it with zeros and then i don't i'm not going to count on any any funds right now um, okay cool so you can see it automatically calculated ideally i asked the partner or a publisher or an outside fund to get an additional investment of $42,500 or higher, depending on where I want to be with my goals. Once I have that, we have to talk about where do you want to go with the game. So I mentioned business plan briefly earlier. With the in the business plan, you set you should set yourself, okay, I do want to actually make money with this game. It's not only out there to um, for me to learn the process or something like that. So maybe you needed to kick off your next project. Let's say by the end of this project, I want to have $10,000. I can do whatever I want with. And then your investor, let's just keep it simple for now. And we say, okay, we want the investor to just double their investment. So they want to make an extra 42,500. If you want to break it down even more into detail, you can. So for the project total costs, I only have development costs in there right now, but you can easily add roles for marketing costs, porting costs, QA localization costs, um, and those things. If you're uncertain about marketing, and don't take this as an industry standard, but I recommend people to, if you get asked by a publisher how much you think it will cost the marketing, go with 10% of your old project, overall project costs to just start it off. Um, so you have at least something, a number there you can start with. And then QA location porting I mentioned. I have to go back and forth to my notes because I've just been talking without looking at them right now. Uh, okay, I think that's the main point. So at the end, you can see, even though your project costs overall have only been only I say only have been fifty thousand, you still need to get a return on investment. So your game in total needs to make a hundred two thousand five hundred dollars to get back the development costs to get your goals of 10,000 plus the goals, the investor goals of 40,000 to 
42,500. So it can easily double and depending on the size of your game, triple the cost and the genre of your game. So just keep that in mind. Okay, I think we're done with the basics. We'll ignore the last part for now. Um, let's move over to the right side. Um, so market research, why is it important? There are two things I think you especially look, should look at for market research. If you look at nothing else, at least those two points, and that uh, those are your competitors' price points and your competitors' units sold. One other difficult thing besides knowing how much to ask for from a publisher for your game is to define the price point of your game. But um, just look off where some of the games you really like. So if you do make a platformer game that has four hours of playtime and stuff like that, look around what, what they do and then find the average, like the lowest, the highest and the maximum point. And then uh, write it down here. This is used for calculation for later for the unit sales. It doesn't mean that you only have to use three price points. If you think there's another price point, by all means, feel free to add them and, and increase it. But I just like to go and start with three, which is the lowest, mid and highest. Mm. Because then the highest price point I have, it was, I think, is the maximum feasible. The lowest price point is normally where I would like to go to. And then the, oh, they say lowest or mid, but mid price point is where I want to go to. And the lowest price point is I want to set just to have an, as an overview. For example, if you want to look how your game would make during sales or in the long run when you have to give discounts and stuff like that. So it's it's a nice overview for that as well, even if you don't want to go with that price point. But again, that's probably something you could talk about for hours in another talk. Uh, but once you have your price point, you can move on to your units sold for partners. The biggest mistake I see with when people look at look at unit souls is that they hop between sources. Um, for the Sorry, I got confused by the scrolling by. Uh, for the sources, so there are Steam Spy, Steam DB, there are PRs. You could even go look at financial um, reports people have to release in Q1, Q4, whatsoever. But whatever you do, stick to one source because all of these sources calculate them different. So if you have press releases, most of the time they calculate the units sold among all platforms and not only PC or not only console. If you look at SteamDB or Steam Spy, they have very two different methods of calculating how many units potentially are sold on, on Steam and stuff like that. It's, it's in general really hard for people to find out what the right thing is, but um, it, it's just how it is. And don't be afraid about that. I'm 100% sure publishers know the struggle with these numbers. So as long as they can see that you did 
research that you looked into it and that, that you're serious about that, you should be fine because ideally all this you will repeat with your partner so they can steer you in the right direction, point you in the right direction. And as mentioned a couple of times already, this is just a guideline and a helper to get you started and to get you there to start those talks. Um, let's see, it's a pretty small game. So let's say minimum units sold, we put 2,000. Um, average units sold, let's do 3,000 and 4,000. And then the price points are probably 499, 10.99, and 12.99. Okay, you can see the colors changing already here. Um, okay, so we have that covered. That covered. Another thing you should be aware of when you calculate this. Right now, we will go over examples for. Steam and Epic Games Store, but as Steam has the same royalty cost as Microsoft, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, it should be easily inter interchangeable. I just like to create these financial models for PC first, because that's the easiest way to get the market research information from, as mentioned. It's I don't, I don't even know where to where to look for besides looking at old news articles to see how much some game sold on Xbox at one point. Um, depending on your engine you're using, Unreal Engine, Unity Engine, whatever, you probably have costs tied into that as well. So make sure you, you update the number here. For our game, we use Unreal Engine, so I would just put the 5% there. Um, Okay, that's, we have our marketing research done. We know which platform we wanna go on. So we know what additionally needs to be added to the unit sales. We have our overall project costs, how many funds we have, how many funds we wanna ask for, what our goals is, and how much money we need to make. And now it's pure math. That's probably the most boring part. Um, so this one calculates it automatically. I'm happy to go over the number. Yeah, I probably should do it very briefly how to calculate it. It just takes the ROI, divides it by your price point to give you a unit number, plus the ROI divided by the price point, and then 5% from it, plus the same with 30% uh, of it. So. Oh God, so this is difficult for me to explain in English, but I'll try. Uh, so that you make sure that those fees, because they don't go into your bank account, and this is what you have to give to the platform holders, that these are also covered by your calculations and you're not suddenly surprised, oh, why didn't I make my money back even though I sold 6,000 units? Because you have to add those additional things to it. Okay, but it is looking pretty good for our game. So in this scenario, it would mean if we have everything set up, let's see if I need to change quickly. That's the only thing I cannot automize in here, but we can just do this because the numbers seem, hmm. okay, let's put this back again, this is better. Uh, I think it's 20,000. 
or maybe our game is really not viable and it will be all red, but let's pretend we have a viable version here. Uh, so price point at the lowest price point, it's already a little bit higher. It's out of what is in the market range or it's in the middle of that. So let's say we would need to sell $22,000, but all the games we looked at, 22,000 units, but all the games we looked at around it, they only sold uh, 18,000 or 19,000. So it increases the risk of this making this feasible. On the other hand, if we go with a price point for of um, what we have 1299, we only have to sell 10,000 units, which is really good because that's definitely less than or slower than the starting point of the unit sales of the other games. So why this is good is because oh, we actually can decrease the price point if we wanted to, because even with 12,000, we would still be in the range of units sold. I would love to answer some of those questions and go through more scenarios in the Q&A. It's easier to explain on examples. Um, so that's with Steam. Keep in mind, Steam has the 30%, EGS has the 18%, and you can see that 12%, sorry. You can see already that just with an 80% difference, the numbers decrease immensely. 2,000 units extra, uh, more or less, can make a big difference for an indie game, especially with a low marketing budget. Mm. And then to keep in mind too, if you go above, 1 million, at least in the Unreal Engine case, it would mean that's why these numbers are a bit wonky. They currently have the extra taxes of 5% in them. Um, it would add those extra units you need to sell to make the 5% of the engine royalties. Just keep that in mind. I think for Epic Games, it's 1 million for Unity. I actually don't know, but that's something you can easily figure out if it's subscription-based or if it's also at a certain percentage. Okay, so we have this, which is really good numbers for this game, even though it doesn't fit with all market research information, but we'll completely ignore that right now. Um, let's see, where are we at in our presentation? Okay, so from here on out, oh, I'll probably make this bigger again. We can start creating small different financial modelings. So you have your basic, you know it's right, but in your pitch deck, you want to show the partner that you have a clear goal, you have a clear vision, and you're not only doing this for fun, but you're doing it not only for fun, but you're doing this to, to achieve something and you also keep and consider your partner. So one financial modeling part example is that you just put your unit sales goals over the first 18 months. You want to recoup your development costs. You want to make sure that the partner doubles their investment. And then you want to have $50,000 to kick off the next project. Again, I have to, to point this out because localization QA importing costs can add a lot of costs, especially for a smaller game. The more languages you have, the more it increases. So just keep that in mind. And if you have a game that requires localization or where porting is already decided on, just make sure you add that in your development funds. Uh, and this one also includes 10% marketing budget. 
I actually don't have 10% marketing budget, so let's add that. Okay, and then here we just add quickly. Oh, oops. This is how you break it. All right, cool. Uh, and 10% marketing budget. Sorry, there we go. I forgot I wanted to do that. So in your pitch deck itself, you can show them, you, you, you think ahead, you think about the future. Uh, here you have a goal after this or not. What you always try to achieve is to build long-term relationship with a partner or publisher. So next time you have a game, maybe it's bigger, they're more willing to work with you again. And then next to this, and of course I didn't copy paste the numbers in here, but next to this, you can then show them the number and explain based on your research and based on what you found out about other games, it's either viable or not. If it is viable and everything is in the green, perfect. If it's not in some of the columns, sorry, I've been talking all day, so my voice is disappearing. Um, if it's not viable and there are some orange or even red things in it, don't be discouraged because sometimes the margins between those things are so low that they appear very quickly orange or red. Or um, So this is something you definitely will have to work with your partner on. If you think you have a strong game idea, don't be discouraged by it, but still think about and reflect on your production pipelines and your scope, depending on what you have. So um, if you really see a lot of red numbers and they scare you, if you may be a new developer, it should give you a sign to go back to the drawing board and maybe change some of the things you, you had in mind. Or maybe it's actually not a lot of things, maybe it's just one feature or one month, or you notice, oh, maybe I do not need that many people on the team or stuff like that. Or you want to change your whole model, which also happens, and suddenly decide to do it on your own, but instead of in a year, you do it in three years. That works too. Um, so yes, if you join the pitch deck reviews on Thursday, or if you have questions afterwards and you need help with that, I'm more than happy to help because it's very, very situation driven. So each game varies. The partner you talk to, it changes. That's why you also should adapt that to every partner you talk to. Make sure you really research them and see what they're looking for. Maybe there are partners that don't want to do development funding or there are partners that cannot provide you with marketing for the specific genre. Or there are partners that are actually not interested in long-term relationships, but they're looking for games they can use on the Xbox Game Pass, Sony, whatsoever. So again, do your market research is super important and it will help you so with so much, so many things. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There is exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list.
If you guys have questions, please drop them in chat right now because she's got a little bit of time to answer and go into some great detail. Thank you so much. That was awesome. And that was a lot of numbers. Sorry I'm about that. I know I'm not a math person. So I was like, my mind is like going, Pew. all right. So let's see here. Um, Noah says the spreadsheet is gold. I missed the start. Can we have a copy? That would probably be something that you would have to do it during the indie game business talk, right? That you do, right? Uh, On the Discord? I actually gave this one to Jay to add to the package afterwards. And okay. it's also posted on on your Discord. So everyone should have <laughs> access to it if they join your Discord. Okay, well, that's perfect. And the Discord is discord.gg slash indie game business. And if you also want other presentations from all of the all of the the talks that we've had and are going to have today and tomorrow, just sign up for a free lecture pass at indiegame.business. So let's see, here's a comment right here. Calderon, how's it going? It's complicated making all this on top of actually making the game slash company slash social media. Oh, it totally is. Plus marketing and PR, you, you have to do everything. That's the thing about, that's why we offer these conferences because like, if you're an artist or you do a little bit of code or whatever, you're making a game, but they don't teach all of this other stuff in school, right? So that's that's why it's awesome. And so people like Kimberly come in here and teach us this stuff because I don't know anything about this. Game. <laughs> so yeah. let's see here. Um, op it's actually, open questions and comments like this that inspired me to work with Jay and all the templates and everything I showed today, they will be shared free of use. Uh, we're actually starting to make a blog post too with all these things so people learn it. And uh, once that's ready, I'll let you know. But... Okay, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the workshops that you do on the server. Can you go mm -hmm. into detail about those and when they are and what time and what you teach and all of that? Yes, I think it started beginning of this year. Uh, I was talking to Jay about having workshops on the indie business game games business sorry i always mix up the letters indie game business it's it's fine business. igb indie game business that's that's much easier on the igb discord and i said i would super be super happy to every thursday alternating times once 2 p.m and then 7 p.m to cover all the time zones to just give people the opportunity to join show their pitch decks ask questions we in a very chill environment we just walk through it people give comments feedback uh, people have the chance to present it and to prepare for their real pitches. It was initially planned to just be for the IGB event so people can prepare for it, but it went so well and we had so much positive feedback that we will keep on doing it. And then probably also go into more detail about other topics like the unit sales estimations or other things. So, yeah. That is a ton, a ton of ton, a ton of, I'm, I'm going to have to sit in on one of those because this is super interesting to me, even though it's a little bit over my head. Uh, let's see here. Mm. Is this particular format slash layout of your estimation spreadsheet common? Uh, something which publishers expect to see? That's from Jay on YouTube. I, I don't think publishers expect to see this much detail. But the numbers they ask for, in my opinion, require this much detail. And I think that's where often the disconnect is. So, Right. And, you know, I feel like it's 
probably just good information to just like if a publisher if you're pitching to a publisher and you have something like this set up they're going to be like man this this company has done their due diligence you know it's just a, probably an added bonus if it's not required so here's another thing from jay i would assume that publishers would prefer to see a standard pro excuse me format pnl so they don't need to figure out how to read it unless your format is normal for the industry no, you're absolutely right. Once you start your publisher talks, they will probably just ask for your PL and budget spreadsheets. As mentioned, the format I provide is just a kickoff point to see if it's even viable or not, if you should go that direction or not. But yes, please have a proper PL and a budget sheet ready. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Ba -da -dum. Here we go. Hello, great talk, by the way. This is from Oxonian Games uh, coming from YouTube. Mm -hmm. When researching the current market in your particular genre, what is your advice on avoiding survivor bias? Yes, my advice is play any game you can find with your game tech. And if you took inspiration for that game, or even if that game made you scream, oh my God, why did I even play it? Research <laughs> it and add it to your list. Um, in the presentations, we... Okay, I'm actually going to, can I share still something? Oh, no, my screen sure. is gone. No, I can pop it up right there. Yeah, go for it. Okay, this is from our own patch tag. So I have to hide a few things. But what you want to do is um, you always want to try, can I present this? Oh, no, wait, I'm not sharing, right? Oh, God. I can't find the browser anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm still sharing. Okay, sorry about that. Um, what you want to do is, I'm just going to open everything up. You will always want to have uh, the, the lowest amount and then higher amounts. And the, just group them a little bit around where you want to be. Uh, I'm happy to share this out too, by the way. Um, so so they have, they have an estimate because as they say, you should not always, always go for the success. I mean, when the path was around, did so well, but I doubt that we can reach that with our brand awareness and everything. So we also looked at the games that did less. Um, that's how I would avoid survivor bias. So even when you look at a game, search for all the text. We, how did we start? We literally started looking at 1,000 games. We just copied a giant list somewhere from a Wikipedia page, I think, filtered out the game text and everything, and then looked at each single game, looked what get, got close to ours um, that inspired us, and started playing them. And that's how you get over survival bias. Just play a bunch of games. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Uh, I've got a question on the side. How far back do you go when looking at comparative games? Um, that depends on your goals. So for our game, for example, we want to have our investment goals recouped or development costs and the investment costs recouped within 18 months. So I try to look at games that have released before 18 months. So I have compar comparable range. Um, and then I looked at 
games. I think the oldest one we looked at was 2015. So where I know they were genre defining, but most of the time I don't look at games that are older than two years because the games industry is changing so quickly. The new mechanics, genre merging, and mm -hmm. then, yeah. That, that would be my advice. Look at your Don't goal. Don't go back too far because in two years, the game industry is completely different. <laughs> let's get this question from Mr. Kooky. What's up? When setting up a budget, let's see, for a team who has a full-time job on the side, would you just go by an industry standard in order to be able to get that person to work on the game full-time? Uh, if you want to go full-time, yes, go with an industry standard because you need to be able to pay yourself. Um, I mean, if as a publisher, that's just my personal opinion, but if as a publisher, I would look at document and the person says he wants to work on it full time, but he only asks a thousand dollar for it per month, I would be like, how are you going to live? <laughs> how is my game being completed if you can't feed yourself, <laughs> if that makes sense? So the publisher will talk to you about if it if it makes sense or not, they will probably renegotiate numbers and stuff like that. But it's better to to make it realistic than falling under the wrong image of every indie game developer needs to pay for or needs to work on a really, really low salary or stuff like that. Um, and again, that doesn't only show the publisher that you're in it long term, but it also makes sure that you don't work yourself to death. Uh, but again, my personal opinion. So, hey, Kimberly, sorry, I was I was eating lunch while Dan was covering for me. So, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, all right, you may have already covered it, but I'm going to ask anyway. There's there's several people asking about the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you can share, or is that something for you all internally? Yeah, no. Uh, as I mentioned, both of the spreadsheets I shared today okay. are on your indie game business. IGP Discord already, and then they will also be in the package afterwards. So, okay, yeah. So if, if you if you're out there and you're wondering, as long as you are either on our Discord for one, um, or you have some sort of pass, the free pass, whatever, we're mailing out all of the decks from everybody, plus a bunch of other cool stuff as part of your digital goodie bag. So, um, don't worry about getting copies of all this stuff. We'll, we'll get it to you. No worries. So, you know, the question about how far back you go, that, that was actually mine because I'm always looking at that stuff too. And, and I don't go back more than three years, but I agree two years is even, you know, riskier in here. So what other, hold on a second, we have another question coming over here. Okay. What are your thoughts <laughs> on Gantt charts? I love Gantt charts. <laughs> um, so I have a love-hate relationship with the love-hate relationship of this industry with Scrum. For me, Scrum is just a lots of mini Gantt charts and a bigger <laughs> and a bigger method or stuff like that. So no, but why I love Gantt charts is uh, they really help me see, especially on a smaller scale where dependencies are and how they impact my project scope, which I think is on a smaller scale, a little bit more difficult with Scrum because 
I don't know if you want me to compare that to Scrum or if that's your question, but um, if you, I feel working now one year on this project with the small team I have that the more defined we have things and the tighter we keep things, the better it is for the, for the team itself to see actual progress and the better it is for the game to also progress the itself. So that's why I prefer Gantt charts. I do understand why bigger team have the possibility to to use other methods. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to walk through Gantt charts. I love them. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So this is a this is a question that I love getting, and I'm glad you're here, yeah. so I don't have to answer it. <laughs> How could you estimate revenue with a mobile game where the sellable products are in-game or in-ad revenue? What's your approach? This is a really complicated question and a long approach, but definitely don't use my sheet for that. <laughs> so if the my sheet used for the initial development, and if you wanted to go um, into life operations, oh God, it's a whole new other talk. So first off, start with a... Uh, mm, content rollout. I mean, it's completely switching directions. So just give me a minute to think this through. So for live operation services and games like that, I always recommend people to create a content rollout plan. So have a certain content bucket of at least six months prepared in advance. And then you can create a plan by then I want to change around things in my store. By then I want to change around um, these sellable products or stuff like that. Um, once you have that content plan, make sure that you know how, how, how do you say that, what your audience is, because these things are all about live events and pulling and twitching things, it goes cheaper, discounts, there's a holiday, you need to flush out your economy because there is so much currency. Okay, it's hard to answer if I don't know the game, but those are things that should bring you in the right direction. I'm happy to talk about this more afterwards on Discord. Uh, to get to your ad revenue, so ad revenue is a little bit more easy because you integrate the ad revenue in a way that it supports or does not break your game core loop and the user player flow. So you have really specific events and points where it is triggered so just add up those numbers and you can see how much ad revenue you potentially get from a player that plays your game full time or in a specific certain time. And then you also can set it up by um, game cohorts or gamer cohorts you have and stuff like that. So ad revenue is a little bit easier, but my document does not cover this. I have others for that. I'm happy to share. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you the, the answer that I always get when I ask people this. Um, one, yes, you can absolutely estimate revenue. You can estimate anything if you want to. If you want it to be accurate, you can't. That's you know, I've got friends of mine who have been working in free-to-play games since free-to-play games have existed. And I'm like, how do we do just a comparable, a P&L? I mean, they're like, you can't. You know, If you've done a bunch of games and you have a bunch of things in the pipeline, you have certain set you know, KPIs and, and ratios that you can plug in. But the reality of the free-to-play market is that it is so chaotic 
And so much depends on how many users you bring in and all this other stuff that it is next to impossible to accurately estimate revenue. And if it was easy to do, <laughs> there would be a lot of companies with a lot more successes rather than even the big companies are still basically relying on a couple of key titles to be bringing in the revenue. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, the answer to that one is you can't accurately do it. The good side of that, though, is you can put it in a spreadsheet and put it in a deck and show it to somebody because they can't prove you're wrong. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but it is, it's very, very, very difficult to do this. Um, all right. So I think that's caught up on the questions we have here. Oh, wait, no. See, here we come in. Y'all are making my life easy. What percent on average should you place for a marketing budget? That way when publishers see it, they they see that the studio understands the value of marketing. Yeah. So in general, as I mentioned earlier, I always calculate 10% of the overall budget for marketing. But if you have specific niche games or if you have games that require on a lot of influencer marketing and stuff like that, double it. I mean, it's a very generic question. Hopefully that's something you will figure out with your partners together, but just again, as a starting point or a discussion starting point, 10% or 10 to 20%. So Dykewolf says, if you're a team lead or an LLC owner, how do you put your own salary into the budget instead of just splitting it as an investment and an operation cost? Wait, are we supposed to pay ourselves? <laughs> that's, um, yes, that's a... Uh... It's a very good point. Um, so LSE on it really depends on where you are. I have an S corp, I think. So I'm just paying myself as if I'm an employee. Um, I think for when you work with a partner as a, through your budgeting cheats and so on, just for the partner visibility, it's fine if you put yourself in as a salary how it works legally and on the financial tech side, I'm not the expert to ask that. But never never hesitate to put your own salary in there. And then if you team me, how do you put your own salary into the budget? Yep, just put yourself as a team member in there instead of just play, yeah. Just put yourself as a team member in there because you're a very important part of the team. And it is important that you factor that into the budget because I see a lot of developers and they're like, this is how much we need to get everything done. And I'm like, are you paying yourself because you, this part has to be in it? And they're like, well, I don't know. I didn't think about it because I'm the owner. And, and I'm like, no, you're, you are an expense. <laughs> yeah. All right. Could you briefly explain how taxes taken out of a game's revenue post-release in the U.S.? Would that depend on the state that the studio resides in? Well, it's those complicated questions again. So it really depends on how you set up deal with your publisher. If your publisher is the seller on the store or the platform, they have to pay the taxes. Uh, whatever comes out afterwards, plus the op minus the operational costs and so, so on, is then factored into what you get, if that makes sense. So mm, let's re just run through an example. You have a game on Steam. It's published on Steam by your partner. They will get the revenue they made on Steam minus the 30%. And I like to remind people that depending on where the game is sold, you might not get the full retail price. You would get a resale price, MSRP, sorry, you would get uh, in the US. So 
don't be surprised if it's less, even though you have good numbers and stuff like that. And then from that, what they get, so the overall minus 30% from the platform, then goes to the partner, minus um, all the overhead costs from the partner, um, minus whatever they will make as uh, win from your agreement. Maybe you have a 30-70 split or you have a 60-something split. And then of that, what remains, you will then get from that split. And that, if that is counted as income, as far as I know, again, I'm not the financial expert or whatsoever, but um, that, that would be neat to be taxed and then in the us it's super complicated because it's different by state which is really fun if you're a distributed team yes. so the um but, the the sales tax is going to be taken out by the the publisher is going to take that part anyway because part of your agreement with the publisher is going to be their net receipts is gross minus platform holder platform minus returns and taxes and all of that sort of stuff but yeah it's like when that piece comes back to you it really depends on where you are all right we got time for a couple we've got two more questions here we're going to do these two and then we're going to shift kimberly over to the server before i forget are you we're not doing a pitch deck review tomorrow on the server or are we i'm so tired <laughs> we're not doing it that's okay Next week again, okay? Next okay. week, and then I don't know if we're at 2 p.m. or 7 p.m. Maybe we just keep it consistently at 2 p.m. because that's, that's when did, most people... Did y'all talk about that earlier? Just, yeah. Okay, just all right. Maybe. So, yeah, no pitch deck review. Kimberly will be back next Thursday for a pitch, back, pitch deck review. So, Lee says, when putting the budget to ask for publishers, should you take into account time already passed with development or just the remaining time until release? Basically, yeah. do you ask for the whole budget or just what you have left? Uh, the whole. Uh, so from initiation or ideation, so when you think about the game, to pre-production, to production, and then release. Um, it, to be honest with, or being honest about what it really takes to make a game will not only help you, but the whole indie game development community. Because since I joined, I mean, I come from AAA, so seeing indie game developers totally undervaluing the, the games they make and the actual costs it takes is, in my opinion, opinion, creating this bubble of indie game development is cheap, which I think is dangerous. And you guys really need to learn to value yourself. It's important. Unless I'm trying to do the deal with you on behalf of a publisher, and then don't. <laughs> Just don't keep, keep doing that whole... If, if I'm working with you, then yes, we're going to make it big. But if I'm trying to buy from you, let's make it a little small. Anyway, all right. So, Jason, since a publisher handles most of the game's marketing paid from their cut, which should be a separate line item, is the marketing budget for a studio separate mark? Wait, hold on a second. You lost me there. I see, I see what he means. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, it depends, again, on the agreement with your publishers. Ideally, your marketing plans go hand in hand. And if you take on marketing on your side as well, for example, for our game, I factor that just into our production costs. Um, I do have in our backlog specific line items. I just call promotion and I blocked out, I think several weeks for each team member to be available to do exactly those things. And that then factors into the overall timeline of the project. 
So maybe without that, we wouldn't need 60 months, but only 14 months. But I rather have it in there. So the pub publisher knows that we not only can support them, but that we also can help and support ourselves and promote visibility. I'm, I'm sending Jay messages behind the scenes on, to stop asking me hard questions because my brain's not with it right now. So, <laughs> all right, we've got to, well, right, we've got time for one more. Um, I just got the note from Andy. So the next session is, is, is geared up and ready to go. So Mr. Cookie says, I usually see a year time frame when it comes to budgets. Are there case by case basis when you can ask for a longer time? Definitely. Um, so it depends on what kind of game you want to create, the genre, the publisher you work with. Um, I think publishers are recently more transparent in how much they're willing to fund into a game. So there are some that specifically look for small games that can be developed within six months to a year. And then there are publishers that specifically look for a long-term project that have a higher quality production scope, maybe 3D instead of 2D and stuff like that. So, uh, so our game, for example, is 18 months. That's one, a little bit more than one and a half years. All right. So with that, if you've got more questions, Kimberly is awesome. She is like always on our Discord server and she's going to be in the post, whatever it's called, post session chat <laughs> section. We're only a day and a half through. I still have another day and a half of this to go. So by the time next tomorrow afternoon rolls around, my brain is going to be non-functional. The um, Feel free to ask your questions there. We're going to go away for a matter of minutes and then we're going to come back with a really, really good panel that I'm looking forward to um, about there is life after funding denial. And so whether it's a grant or a publisher or whatever it is that you were going for for funding and it didn't happen, this is going to be uh, some great case studies and some great examples from studios that still found a way to persevere and get their games shipped. So give us time to switch everything up. We'll be right back. And Kimberly, thank you so much for all of this and, and everything else that you do for the IGB community. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody. We'll be right back. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.